0: Views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12 step fellowship. Now, here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man. Well, greetings, family, and welcome
1: to Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder. And uh, Chris is on the line, and we're getting ready to look at uh, uh, Step 5 in the 12 and 12, Part 2. So, before we actually start doing that, for those of you who uh, do not have a 12 by 12, or 12 and 12, excuse me, um, you can go to aa.org and uh forward slash 12 and 12 and it'll take you to, to a pdf file of the 12 steps and 12 traditions and then you can read along with us if you have your book uh great that's that's awesome and i really encourage you to get one of these things um if you don't have a big book or you don't have a uh, 12 and 12 and you're wondering how to get a hold of one and you've never been to a meeting that's a good place to start um and there, there once in a while there's places that don't have them uh, but you can call us here at 541-926-0322 and uh we can put you in touch with a resource uh, resources in your area all right chris schroeder how the heck are you buddy
0: uh, pretty good monty how's everything going
1: with you very well it's uh it's a chipper day here in the swamps of albany oregon <laughs> <laughs> uh i just just got back from a a, a pretty pretty healthy meeting and uh Feeling ready to go?
0: Well, that's good. That's good.
1: So we did step five, part one. We we ended with uh, uh, the la- or the first paragraph on page fifty eight. You want to kind of go back and tell us what we're doing here? And-
0: sure, uh, abso- absolutely, Monty. You know, one of the one of the things that I, that I think alcoholics or, or, or addicts really suffer from is a sense of isolation a sense of feeling apart from uh you know certainly i was uh, an extreme I- I- example of that and because um because it hasn't happened slowly over time it, you know it it, it uh, grows with you uh, as your alcoholism or your addiction grows you don't know just how abnormal it is to feel that isolated, to feel that uh, that alone and that apart from, uh, because it's your normal uh, normal uh, belief system, it's your normal state of being. Sure. But the fact of the matter is, is it's, it's uh, near terminal uh, affliction. You 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 are so cut off from uh, uh, from uh, uh, humans or divine sustenance. That you know, you're just kind of floundering out there uh, on your own. You know, I remember my last my last several years of uh, of drinking Monty, and you know, it was a very, very sad case. I mean, there was very few people left in my life, and what, what I would do is, is, you know, I would get, I would uh, I'd get pretty drunk. And and I would have a sense of loneliness, and and especially once I once I felt drunk, uh, that would that would break down my inhibitions and, and uh, you know kind of propel me into being uh, a little bit sociable or wanting to talk to somebody or wanting to connect to another human being. So what I would do is I would drunken dial. You know, I would start calling people up. Uh, I would go through phone books, and you know, people people I barely knew in high school or something. You know, and I, and I would, uh, I would feel this need to connect, and you know, all of that is uh, all of that is untreated alcoholism. All of that is un- untreated addiction. That that sense of isolation and loneliness. Although you 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 won't recognize that until you start to heal from it. But you know what we what we do is we is we recognize uh, our alcoholism our drug addiction, we recognize that the solution for alcoholism or drug addiction is uh, is spiritual living in a connection to God. We make a decision in step three to to seek that seek that power seek that connection in step four, we start to identify uh, the things that block us off. From that connection, and also block us off from uh, effective and healthy relationships with other people. Sure. Uh, they're the manifestations of our our character defects that we see in, in in step four, and we identify, and we we come to understand that those are the roadblocks to, to and those are the things that are keeping us in isolation. Uh, the spiritual exercise of step five is to is to share with another person and. Uh, uh, and with god uh and with ourselves uh those character defects and those things that we 've identified our shortcomings that we 've identified as being uh the things that have blocked us off uh from our fellow man and from our relationship with god and we and we and we share them now we we talked a little bit last week on uh, on you know what that what that exercise looks like and some of uh in some of bill 's insight in this chapter into uh into that particular spiritual exercise and we're going to continue on that uh but uh, you know I'll reemphasize uh as we did last week I'll reemphasize the importance of this step uh if you are an alcoholic or if you are a, a, a drug addict of what uh the big book describes as hopeless or powerless if you if you don't do this step, um, you're you're not going to survive. Uh, you may you may uh, achieve a period of sobriety that might be weeks, months, maybe even years, uh, but the quality of that sobriety is is it, it, it's going to be untreated alcoholic or untreated uh, addict sobriety, and you know that's that's dying an alcoholic death. That's dying. A, uh, an addict's death uh to to continue to suffer from the emotional uh, mental and spiritual torture of uh, of untreated uh, addiction and alcoholism and so you know you uh, if you if you bump into somebody you know who who is sharing at a support group that they've never done this step and they're fine, please understand that they're not an alcoholic uh, or they're not a drug addict depending on what what fellowship they're in, because if they were, they would not have survived. And, and, uh, and if everything is fine, then, uh, then they're, they're so certainly in the wrong room. It's unbelievable. And,
1: and so, so the thing that's really interesting here, a person can die an alcoholic death or, or uh, 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 an addictive death without using or drinking.
0: Oh, there's no doubt. Absolutely, Monty, very, very sad. And I think I've talked about this uh, with you on other shows. Two very, very close people to me uh, in my in my recovery world uh, uh, died in the last month. One of them, uh, one of them took his own life, and this is. Uh, you know, this is a, this is an individual that I worked very, very uh, closely with on on business deals and stuff. Uh, I never I never uh, uh, worked with him directly on on the steps, but you know, we we had a lot to do with each other um, back in uh, 2009 doing uh, doing startup deals, and and you you would know him very well yourself because mm-hmm. you were on calls with him. He took his own life, and then there there's an individual who. Uh, uh, who I was very close to, and, and who was uh, who was a real power of example for a while in uh, in, in recovery. Um, uh, just OD'd. Uh, it was a crystal meth overdose, and that happened uh, that happened about a week and a half ago. And uh, you know, uh, unbelievably sad. And listen, you know, you, you you can you know one of them stayed sober and one of them didn't, but they're both dead. Yeah uh you know um and and i'll tell you what if if you live a life of of quiet desperation loneliness self pity resentment and self centered fear uh, that is an alcoholic death uh because when you get to the end of uh you get to the end of the page you've wasted uh, wasted your life in, in a in, in a very very tragic way, you know n- not not able to appreciate life for what it is. Sure, and uh, that's that's dying an alcoholic or dying a drug addict death.
1: Yeah, so sad.
0: I think you know and and listen the treatment for all this that's what we're talking about. Uh, you know tonight is is the the treatment for all this is the steps and uh, part uh, a significant part of that treatment is step five. Step step five is really the first. Uh, wholesale action that you're you're going to take, you know, out there in the world that's gonna that's gonna propel you into a, a spiritual awakening. And uh, you know, uh, one of the things that one of the things that we do is we, we short circuit ourselves. We we uh, we set ourselves up with bad belief systems. And he, here was mine. I've never told anybody any of this stuff. They told me a long time ago never to admit to anything, even if they've got you on video. You know, <laughs> and that and that was an old belief system I had. And I had you, that. You, I had you know, that. You, you know where that yeah. came from? Yeah. Like when yeah. I was 15 years old, a juvenile delinquent.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, I was. My policy, Chris, was deny everything.
0: Yeah, deny everything. You yeah. know, uh, listen, make them prove it yeah you know don't help them out uh <laughs> and that was an old belief system so w- when when this was proposed to me uh you, you know uh completely uh completely share all of this stuff with another human being it it went against uh Uh, belief systems, and it went against uh, my ego, and it went against my best judgment, which was bad. My best judgment was bad, but it went against all those things, and what I had to do is I I had to be desperate enough. I had to understand alcoholism enough to know that if I didn't do this, uh, it would probably go bad, and... That was the motivation I needed to to be as brutally honest as I was. I don't think anybody hops, skips, and jumps into this spiritual life, Monty. We we don't do it out of a sense of virtue, like you know I want to be a better uh, a better support group member or something. That, that's right. not enough horsepower to get you to the finish no. line. Uh, the horsepower necessary to to complete this and get over the finish line has got to be um, do this work or die an alcoholic death mm-hmm. do this work or die an alcoholic death it has to be that simple yeah. and if it's not that simple uh you know then 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 you're not you're not convinced and you're either not convinced because you're not really sure you have the symptoms of alcoholism or drug addiction or somebody hasn't uh somebody hasn't laid laid out the information in the right way right. remember we talked about yesterday uh, or i'm sorry last week that um a sponsor or a spiritual advisor's primary responsibility is an adequate presentation of the 12 steps and in an adequate presentation of the 12 steps is step one, which is covering what qualities uh, are necessary for admission uh, of powerlessness. And and if somebody hasn't laid that out the right way for you, you you know, you've kind of been shortchanged. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anyway, uh, Let's uh, let's get let's get reading. We're okay. again we're on the top of page uh, fifty eight. Another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility, a word often misunderstood. To those who have made progress in AA, it amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. That's uh, that's that's one. Uh, one definition, Monty. There's multiple definitions for humility, and there there's a reason that Bill became unbelievably interested in humility, and and uh, and uh, you know made the declaration over and over about how important it is for uh, for our growth and our you know our spiritual growth uh, in uh, in recovery. Uh, he he understood personally just how just how 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 important it was. Uh, and would never stop uh, talking about it, but uh humility i like it I personally like the humility is an accurate self appraisal in other words, an accurate self appraisal understanding exactly what your position is in this world and, and not overstating your importance or understating your your importance, but uh, you know an accurate Self-appraisal, And he's basically saying here a clear recognition of what and who we really are, which may be an accurate self-appraisal, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. So humility needs action, a sincere attempt to become what we could be through the practical application of the spiritual principles and exercises uh, that uh, the recovery process lay out. Therefore, our first practical move toward humility must consist of recognizing our deficiencies. Step four, no defect can be corrected unless we clearly see what it is. But we shall have to do more than see. The objective look at ourselves we achieved in step four was, after all, only a look. All of us saw, for example, that we lacked honesty and tolerance, that we were beset at times by attacks of self-pity or delusions of personal grandeur. But while this was a humiliating experience, it didn't necessarily mean that we had yet acquired much actual humility. Though now recognized our defects were still there, something had to be done about them, and we soon found that we could not wish or will them away by ourselves. Mm -hmm. More realism and therefore more honesty about ourselves are the great gains we make under the influence of Step 5. As we took inventory, we began to suspect how much trouble self-delusion had been causing us. This had brought a disturbing reflection. If all our lives we had more or less fooled ourselves, how could we now be so sure that we weren't still self-deceived? How could we be certain that we had made a true catalog of our defects and had really admitted them, even to ourselves? Because we were still bothered by fear, self-pity, and hurt feelings, it was probable we couldn't appraise ourselves fairly at all. Too much guilt and remorse might cause us to dramatize and exaggerate our shortcomings, or anger and hurt pride might be the smokescreen under which we were hiding some of our defects, while we blamed others for them. Possibly too, uh, we were still handicapped by many liabilities, great and small, we never knew we had. And you know, listen, it, it is, it is, but a beginning. The first step forward that someone does is but a beginning one of the one of the most dangerous uh, things i've heard shared in uh, in support groups monty is you do step 4 you, you do steps 4 through 9 once never do them again and then live in 10 11 and 12 right and i suppose that's possible if someone is near perfect the the, the problem is, is is the realization of how much trouble we're really in is sometimes like peeling back an onion. You're only going to get to a layer when you're ready to see that layer. Sure. I'll give you a, for instance, like, you know, I'm I'm 23 years uh, uh, sober now. I continue to work uh, these 12 steps, and I continue to unearth more and more uh, versions of perceptions of character defects things that in year one would have been below the horizon are now becoming visible to me. You know, shades of selfishness and self-centeredness that I would not have been able to recognize in year one. And that's why I think this is a, this is a, you know, we need to practice these principles in all of our affairs. This is a lifetime job. Um, uh, you know, I no—I no longer am dangerous. <laughs> you know, I'm no—I'm mm-hmm. not a homicidal maniac who screams and hollers. Uh, you know, uh, at the drop of a hat, I'm not that guy anymore. However, my, you know, my selfishness, my ego, still ha- still plays a role in my activities and my relationships at a much more subtle level. Sometimes other people can't even recognize it, but I can you know so I, I need to i need to continue to keep uh keep practicing these these things
1: and, and and really that statement you made that is is said in in uh support group meetings uh quite often i've heard it is really a contradiction because if you're living in step 10 11 and 12 that requires you to go back and do these things i mean
0: yeah yeah so i mean you can't I, I, live in I, 10
1: 11 12 without doing this again
0: well, even the the last part of step twelve is practice these principles on yeah. our, our affairs. Now, yeah. now li- listen, let's let's look at it. Bill used the four step as a as a as a business inventory. The the example that he gave. Mm-hmm. Let's say you were in charge of a shoe store, Monty, and you did a complete inventory, and you recognized that there's a lot of stuff on the shelves that that ha- ha- that shouldn't be there, and and you did a house cleaning. You know, steps five through nine or whatever. Now you have all new inventory. Uh, and now the store is doing really well, if you never took inventory again, how long do you think that you would hold on to your job?
1: Not very long.
0: Yeah. Not very long at all. Because the bad inventory is going to pile up again. It could take a short amount of time, could take a long amount of time, but uh, these things need to be looked at uh, over and over again. And another thing is the only people I ever hear defending that you only do a fourth and a fifth step once are people who've done a fourth and a fifth step once. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that's done it multiple times understands the benefits of doing it multiple times. So it's not a fair argument. The, the people who are saying you only do it once have, have no basis for their argument. They're sharing an opinion because they don't have the experience of doing it multiple times. The people who are saying it's a good idea to do it multiple times are sharing their experience. They, they mm-hmm. understand it. They did it once, and then they did it three, four, or five times, and they're sharing on why it was good the second, third, fourth, and fifth time. That's sharing your experience. Sharing that you only do it once is sharing an opinion.
1: Yeah, good word.
0: Um, Hence, it was most evident that a solitary self-appraisal and the admission of our defects based upon that alone wouldn't be nearly enough. We'd have to have outside help if uh, if we were surely to know and admit the truth about ourselves, the help of God and another human being. Only by discussing ourselves, holding back nothing, only by being willing to take advice and accept direction, could we set foot on the road to straight thinking, solid honesty, and genuine humility. Another thing, another thing that I certainly suffered from, you know, as, uh, as an alcoholic, Monty, was knowing, knowing everything, you know, having an opinion on everything. I, it, it would be so difficult for me to take someone else's advice. Uh, I, I had uh, a belief system about everything. And if someone in authority would say, hey, Chris, you, you know, you really should do that this way, I would, my, my automatic default systems would come back with why my way is right and theirs is wrong. You know, the, the, great, the great thing about recovery is we deal in outcomes. We, we deal in how well is that working for you. And, you know, when I had all of these belief systems about how things worked and how you should operate, I was living in a room in my mother's house and I'd lost my family. And I was near unemployable, and I, you know, I and I, I had no friends, and it was just pathetic. Beth- so here I am, hanging on to this this faulty structure, when 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 all the evidence is out that my life is a complete failure. You know, we we hate to see that. Some of the things that I I do, Monty, is I, I uh, have commitment and commitments in treatment centers. I, I've been doing that for you know twenty some years. And it's wonderful to see the arrogance and, and uh, <laughs> you know the ego of the people sitting you know sitting in treatment and you know they want to argue with you. You've you've been uh, you've been involved in recovery for decades and they want to argue with you about why you're wrong. And you remind them that they're in a booby hatch with a hospital wristband on. Right. You know, you know, and they're like, oh, 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 you, know, you know, they they, they get all they don't want to hear about facts, you know. They, but we we deal with with outcomes. We deal with results. How's that working for you? You're in a booby hatch with a wristband on. You, you know what I mean? Uh, I, nobody cares what you think. If we cared what you what you thought, you know, we'd we'd uh, come to detox, and in between your vomiting, uh, you know, ask you. Uh, but we really don 't <laughs> care what you think because it 's quite obvious that whatever you think is wrong and, and you know that is that is so difficult for so many of these uh these people to 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 deal with because their ego is so strong they, their ego wants them to believe that that they 've got a unique uh, accurate perspective on the world and it 's just some bad breaks and misunderstandings that they 're in the booby hatch.
1: And i got—I got to tell you, um, uh, my think, think, think uh, framed poster is now upside down.
0: (laughs) Good. (laughs) Good for you. Yet many of us still hung back. We said, why can't God, as we understand him, tell us where we are astray? If the Creator gave us our lives in the first place, then he must know in every detail where we have since gone wrong. Why don't we make our admission to him directly? Why do we need to bring anyone else into this? At this stage, the difficulties of trying to deal rightly with God by ourselves are twofold. Though we may at first be startled to realize that God knows all about us, we are apt to get used to that quite quickly. Somehow, being alone with God doesn't seem as embarrassing as facing up to another person. Until we actually sit down and talk aloud about what we have so long hidden, our willingness to clean house is still largely theoretical. When we are honest with another person, it confirms that we have been honest with ourselves and with God. And that is su- such a strong sentence. Until we actually do a fist step, our willingness to clean house is still largely theoretical. And the spiritual life is not a theory, Monty. What do we have to do? Then, we have to live we?
1: it, yeah. I- I'm thinking here, I-, I was thinking ahead of you a little bit, but I was thinking one of the things I've, I've shared with people is that that if God truly did make us in his image... if if I'm talking with somebody that agrees with that, and he spoke us into existence, I think that we have a tendency to speak our world into existence. And there is something very, very real about opening your mouth and letting the garbage out and allowing somebody else to hear it. Um, You know, the way I talk to God... Is different than the way I talk to my fellows, and sometimes it's a little more intimate. But sometimes talking to somebody one-on-one is more intimate. Uh, it just depends. But you know, if if it's true, I mean, it's been proven by medical the medical community over and over again. If you're always saying stuff that's you know that negative self-talk and no, I'm just a, a piece of garbage and da 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 da, you know that's what your life's going to end up looking like. Uh, but if you get that stuff out. Of your, out of literally out of your heart and speak it, then you begin to speak other things that are positive.
0: You know, I believe that. I I believe that uh, in in a huge way. And you know, that that reminds me of a story. uh, Okay, Monty Moses is coming down off of Mount Sinai. Uh, He's just uh, spoken to God, and God has uh, has given him some commandments. And he 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 shows up uh, back to his his tribe of people. And he says, uh, I got some good news and I got some bad news. What do you want to hear first? And they go, well, give us the good news first. And he goes, well, I got him down to 10. <laughs> and then they go, okay, what's the bad news? And he said, well, adultery is in, still in there. <laughs> okay, now, you know, uh, here's the deal. Have no other gods before me. I believe, I believe that 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 is a spiritual principle yes it's a commandment and you know uh, so, some religions will tell you that it's it's a sin if, if if you do that i think it's a best practice and let me let me explain that having no other gods before god is the way to true happiness if you make money your god if you make uh, if you if you make another person your God, if you make alcohol your God, if if you put anything in front of God, what is going to happen is you are uh, you are setting yourself self up to be incredibly disappointed. So you know when we when we uh, when we make a deal with God, what we're doing is we're identifying in step four the things that we've put before God. In mm-hmm. other words, the false gods, the, the the character defects that we've had, the belief systems that we've had that have blocked us off from God, a relationship with God. So we identify them. Then we get honest with another person about these false belief systems, these false gods, if you will. And what we've done is we've made a really serious demonstration to put our house in order and to get things right and to give up management of something that we've identified as unmanageable by us. And And make sure that our life's management is assumed by the creator, by God. Mm. That's really the exercise that we need to do. And the exercise of step four and step five are identifying the things that we've put before God. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make any
1: sense? It's so hard to get that through to some folks you work with, isn't it?
0: Well, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, it even says in here that uh, so, sometimes, you know, use everyday language that they're going to understand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, using a, a biblical analogy like like I just did will 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 you know be counterproductive. Right. I think I think it's more important to get somebody through the exercise and get them in touch with God than than uh, than the language that uh, I need to use to to uh, to get that to happen.
1: I like what you said about uh, the, these are things that they discovered. So you, you want to help them discover it for themselves so that when it comes up and they balk at it, you can say, well, you wrote that down. You said this was an issue. So it must be, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, absolutely. You know, things are blocking us off from a successful life. And, we, you know, we need, to, we need to identify those things, and we, we need to admit them. We need to identify them, and then we need to be willing to move away from them. Yeah. Uh, the second difficulty is this. What comes to us alone may be garbled by our own rationalization and wishful thinking. Remember, we've got bad belief systems. They ask us to put, our, put aside our, our old ideas. And, and uh, you know, we, we definitely need to do that because some of them are just so faulty. The benefit of talking to another person is that we can get his direct comment and counsel on our situation, and there can be no doubt in our minds what that advice is. Going it alone in spiritual matters is dangerous. How many times have we heard well-intentioned people claim the guidance of God when it was all too plain that they were sorely mistaken? Lacking both practice and humility, they had deluded themselves and were able to justify the most errant nonsense on the ground that this was what God had told them. You know, no Kool Aid for us, Monty. <laughs> it was worth noting that people of very high spiritual development always, almost always, insist on checking with friends or spiritual advisors the guidance they feel that they have received from God. That was a that was a direct uh, Oxford Group uh, uh, practice. Uh, uh, checking your guidance, um, they absolutely would do that. Um, They did believe that uh, you could get guided thoughts, but they also believed that those guided thoughts could be wrong. Uh, So you would check them with other guided individuals. They did that a lot in their 11th step. Wow. Surely then a novice ought not lay himself open to the chance of making foolish, perhaps tragic blunders in this fashion. While the comment or advice of others may be by no means uh, infallible, it is likely to be far more specific... Than any direct guidance we may receive while we are still so inexperienced in establishing contact with a power greater than ourselves you know the ultimate aim in this is to establish uh, contact uh, with a power greater than ourselves and to be able to develop the capacity to seek guidance from that higher power and that was one of the most amazing things about early AA, and one of the things that you don't hear as much about in, any anymore in any of the uh, support fellowships is that capacity to develop the discipline of uh, establishing contact with and getting guidance and direction from God, uh, you know. P- some people today would think, well, "What are you? What are you talking about?" But I mean, that's what these people would do in their in their prayer and their meditation. They would have a notebook during prayer and meditation. They would write down their guided thoughts, check them with other people, and then act on them. And if it said, "You know, go go give Aunt Fanny a fruit basket," and and uh, you know they come out of meditation and that's what they wrote, uh, and uh, they check that guidance with other guided people, and everybody's saying, "Sure, that's that's." Uh, that's that's good guidance. Then then you're gonna go give Aunt Fanny a fruit basket. I mean, they they acted on this guidance,
1: right? It's not going to be something that you you waited weeks and weeks to do, and there it sits in your in your journal.
0: <laughs> no, no, they yeah. they were they were all about action, and uh, you know we don't see this as much today. No, not money, uh, but uh, I you know I would not. Uh, uh, I, I would not give up this practice this is a this is a very very strong practice um, a lot a lot of people got a lot of good stuff out of this you know i've found I, much of my recovery philosophy and much of my life philosophy has been uh hammered out uh in deep meditation uh it just has like i get a lot of input uh input from uh you know support group input uh a lot a lot of uh, uh speaker tapes uh, you know, a lot of uh, sponsorship or spiritual advisor work you know, a, a lot of uh reading uh, you know uh different types of uh of motivational or spiritual uh, literature and all of that kind of goes into a uh, a big melting pot and then in deep meditation gets ironed out into specific um uh uh, specific philosophies, like mm-hmm. like you know much of much of the work that I've done with the big book uh, w- was was hammered out in uh, those deep meditative cycles that uh, I was doing in the nineties
1: right, right, yeah.
0: our next problem will be to discover the person in whom we are to confide. Here we ought to take much care, remembering that prudence is a virtue which carries a high rating. Perhaps we shall need to share with this person facts about ourselves which n- no others ought to know. We shall want to speak with someone who is experienced, who not only has stayed dry, but has been able to surmount other serious difficulties, basically have recovered Difficult per- difficulties perhaps like our own. This person may turn out to be one sponsor, but not necessarily so. If you have developed a high confidence in, in, in him and his temperament and, prob- and his problems are close to your own, then such a choice will be good. Besides, your sponsor already has the advantages of knowing something about your case. Perhaps, though, your relation to him is such that you would care to reveal only a part of your story. If this is the situation, by all means do so, for you ought to make a beginning as soon as you can. It may turn out, however, that you'll choose someone else for the more difficult and deeper revelations. This individual may be entirely outside of AA, for example, your clergyman or your doctor. For some of us, a complete stranger may prove the best bet you know i've heard i 've heard uh, about experiences that people have had with all of those uh, choices i think uh, I think the best choice can be a sponsor or a spiritual advisor because um, they 're hopefully the same person uh, or people who are going to guide you through your uh, eighth and ninth step, and to have the information in step. Uh, Four and five is going to help them uh, guide you through eight and nine uh, a little bit better.
1: Yeah, because how, how can a complete stranger, how would you know anything about them, like integrity as far as, uh, as uh, keeping things between you and them? I mean, if they've been through the stuff you've been through, if they're a complete stranger. That's not going to work.
0: You know, I don't, I've, I don't heurt, I've heard of people doing that. I you know I've also heard of people burdening the poor priests, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there there's a there's a there's a shrine of St. Joseph near near us here and and these poor priests probably have to sit through 12 hours worth of uh fist steps every week, you know, because so many people go to them and and it, you know, I I see it as a as a strong spiritual exercise, but there's no follow through. There's no follow up. There's no there's no lasting relationship mm, yeah. because people go and they dump and then they move on. Again, you know, I think this is I think this is part of a part of a process. We need to realize uh, what we have in our uh, inventory, and we need to uh, need to work through the rest of the steps on that stuff. And, and sometimes the guidance of a sponsor or spiritual advisor who's been privy to all this uh, is uh, is a is a good bet. The real tests of the situation are your own willingness to confide and your full confidence in the one with whom you share your first accurate self-survey. I think it's important to make sure that the person is going to be closed mouth and keep a confidence, that's, that's, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Even when you've found the person that frequently takes great resolution to approach him or her, no one ought to say the AA program requires no willpower. Here is one place you may require all you've got. Sometimes it is tough to tell about uh, some of those things. Happily, though, the chances are that you will be in for a very pleasant surprise. When your mission is carefully explained and it is seen by the recipient of your confidence how helpful he can really be, the conversation will start easily and will soon become eager. Before long, your listener may well tell a story or two about himself, which will place you uh, even more at ease. Provided you hold back nothing, your sense of relief will mount from minute to minute. There are so many places where it tells you not to hold anything back. That is the key to this whole thing, Matt. And again, when I'm hearing a fifth step, uh I I definitely have uh, have the ability to put somebody at ease. I, I you know, I've done so many of them, I've heard so many of them, and I, I pretty much know what to say that's gonna gonna relieve the person of the anxiety that I'm gonna judge them.
1: Yeah. Um uh, my my sponsor, the first time I did this uh, he just, this guy was great. He he said, he, he looked, he could tell on my face that I, I was kind of, eh, I don't know, you know, that kind of hesitation. He said, all right, let me, let me, let me share, share something with you. And he told me something about himself that just cracked me up. I mean, it was <laughs> like, and, and it, it became, it became actually very comfortable to talk with him about it. And, you know, the, the burden was lifted, uh, through the, the laughter um, it certainly wasn't something he did that was funny at the time, but um, and he's used that with several people. So I don't know anything you could do could, to make the person at ease. But you're right; you've got to be. You know, we we talk about how secrets kill, and you know, it's like what is it? What is that one thing? I, I heard Doctor Phil say this the other day. I really liked it. He said, "What is that one thing that if you could tell me about it?" you feel would heal your pain but you're convinced that if you do i'll run away
0: is yeah that's it? very uh that's very insightful yeah uh, i think we i think we all have those and you know the, the, the funny thing the funny thing is is that the secrets that i had to uh, i had to struggle to unburden in my first fist step Monty, I would share on the show with you now. I mean, they don't have the power right. over me anymore. It, it would probably be in poor taste to do so. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I have no—you know—I have no fear of doing so. I mean, they—they they don't hold anything over me anymore. I, I recognize them for what they were. They were defects of character brought on by uh, the exaggerated effects of alcoholism and. Uh, alcoholism was brought on by the exaggerated effects of, uh, character defects and, you know, it was all, it's all part of an illness. And so why should there be all the shame involved in it? You know, is sure. isn't, there isn't anymore because I've done these exercises. It says here, the damned up emotions of years break out of their confinement and miraculously vanish as soon as they are exposed. As the pain subsides, a healing tranquility takes its place. And when humility and serenity are so combined... Something else of great moment is apt to occur. Many in AA, once agnostic or atheistic, tells us that it was during this stage of step five that he first actually felt the presence of God. And even those who had faith already had often become conscious of God as they never were before. And remember, that's what we seek, a conscious contact mm-hmm. of God. This feeling of being at one with God and man, this emerging from isolation, through the open and honest sharing of our terrible burden of guilt, brings us to a resting place where we may prepare ourselves for the following steps toward a full and meaningful recovery. You know, how powerful is that? Uh, How powerful is that? uh, That paragraph? Uh,
1: Yeah. Wow. It's a real this is a real hard one for for a lot of folks. And um, I would just encourage anybody that's listening that's that's having difficulty with this. uh, Man, hang in there.
0: And, and here's here's a great you know there's promises galore. I would go to the big book for the fifth step promises. But here here's here's a promise: the difference between belief in God and the consciousness of the presence of God is the difference between night and day. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between self centered fear and 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 comfort and security and serenity. So if you, if you are still burdened by, you know, emotions of one kind or another, if you still have, uh, have problems with people, resentments, if you still have anxieties about different things that are going on in your life, uh, understand that you probably have an experienced to the, to the depths that you can, the consciousness of the presence of God.
1: Mm. That is a really good, really good point. Really good point. Might be a little hard to hear for some folks, especially if they've, you know, had a relationship with God for a long time already. <laughs> you know, because I'm listening to you say that, and I'm thinking to myself, well, that that could be me on this on any given day. You know, and and I need that renewed relationship on a daily basis.
0: Right? Absolutely, yeah. we can't we can't we can't survive on bread we ate last week. Right. You know, we can't survive spiritually. On practices that we did last year, uh, we we need to be continually, continually practicing principles that bring about uh, that renewed and deepened and, and, uh, a relationship with uh, with the power that's keeping us separated from alcohol or drugs, and uh, and helping us embark upon uh, uh, a reborn life.
1: All right, on. Well, Chris, thank you. Next week, we're going to be on step six, which reads, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Really? Wow, can he do that? We're going to be talking about that uh, and uh, what a defect of character is and all that kind of thing. So uh, please hang on to your horses, uh, my friends. This is getting deeper and deeper. But uh, if you're doing the deal, if you're working the 12 steps with your sponsor... And you're in the book, uh, the book Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, affectionately known as the big book. Uh, I'm just, I'm proud of you. I'm just so proud of you because the fact is that there are lots of people, I would have to say probably more than than not, that never crack this stuff. They never crack the big book Um, and we have mentioned it at, at every show that This particular study on the 12 steps and 12 traditions in this book is not a formula for working the steps. That comes out of the big book. Uh, But this is important stuff. And uh, I'm I'm just so pleased to have – we've got a bunch of new subscribers this week. So pleased to have each and every one of them with us. Thank you, Chris. Okay, Monty. okay, stay on the line, folks remember our our address uh our email address is take twelve radio at comcast dot net Please send us an email tell us what you think. you can read my blog uh i'm bringing that back up to date, and uh there's even a new show called uh well it's not a new show, but it's 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 new. To uh, the package deal of all our shows called Applying the 12 Traditions in Your Family and Personal Life uh, with Carol Ann Preston. Very interesting stuff. All right, my friends, until our next show. This is the Monty Man and Chris Schroeder.
0: This has been a broadcast
1: of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Thank you, Brad. We're wishing serenity for you.